is Truth Talks. Welcome back to the Truth Talks podcast after the break. I want to take the rest of this uh, conversation uh, in a different direction. And the reason behind that is because uh, I've seen this, and I don't know if you know this, Matt, but the first time that me and Beverly came oh, to the church on a Sunday, we actually, uh, the, the sermon that you preached was uh, about church discipline. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's I, I it's, did not know that. Yeah, that was the that that September thirtieth yeah. of twenty eighteen. That was wow. our first sermon. Wow, that we heard you preach uh, in person. I had listened to uh, you know the podcast. Yeah, uh, and I listened to a lot of sermons, but the very first one we came and heard was about church discipline. Which is ironic that is, that, that is the reason <laughs> why Beverly was like, I really like that church. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> So, uh, you know, that's not normal. Now, that was the uncompromising church series, yeah. which, you know, was, yeah. was phenomenal. But yeah. the the thing about it is that Sunday was just like the Sunday. It was like church discipline was, you know, a part of it. As yeah. You're talking about the uncompromising church. It was and, the planned out topic. Of the right. Series. Planned yeah. out. And, you know, she, you know, her, her, her words were, I'd never heard it preached that way. I'd heard about it all these years from different you know, yeah. aspects, but never heard it preached on. And uh, I have seen uh, church discipline in action as I've been here mm. over the mm. past 18 months. So uh, I want to kind of talk through a few things because uh, someone actually sent me uh, a question. Good. And the question really more has to do with uh, um, more of asking the question about, well, one, you preached out of first Corinthians five and that, another message, not the one you're talking about, but a different one. Another message. Yeah. yeah Cause you yeah. preached out of uh, Matthew 18, did was Matthew it? 18 and right in the September 30th. Right. So in the, uh, February 2nd, uh, sermon, you yeah. preached out of, uh, first Corinthians five. Yeah. Year and a half difference. Right. Later. Yeah. Now the question is more or less about the, um, the man that's in first Corinthians five. Yep. Yep. Um, they were asking the question from Morgan came. Yep, yep. Um, he was asking if in second Corinthians, hi Morgan, <laughs> he was asking in second Corinthians, if that man, yeah. In <laughs> me. First Corinthians. Yeah. That, that from first Corinthians and second yeah. Corinthians was he restored. Yeah. That we're not sure. So he's talking about, uh, over in second Corinthians where the guy, where there is this, there is this in uh, Paul's letter where he talks about restore the one who was removed, and and we're just not 100% sure because there's no name, there's no clarification that, mm-hmm. you know, remember the guy who was sleeping with his father's wife? Well, then we'd know, mm-hmm. right? And so so a, a lot of people think it was him. I mean, it's just it's hard to say. One thing we do know, it was somebody that was removed from the church, or at least that was under church discipline, that they rightfully restored, which is what you should do, right? If a person repents... And demonstrates, you know, that repentance is genuine, and and then, like Jesus said, you forgive them, right? And you restore them fully, right? It's not a like, well, now you go back to the bottom of the rung, you know, and mm-hmm. work your way up. No, no, I mean, they're refor- re- restored fully, just as we are in God's in fellowship fellowship with God. Every time we repent, right? First, mm-hmm. First John one nine, right? He cleanses us, He forgives us of all sin. It's not like, well, I'm gonna hold this one in my pocket for the next time you act up. No, mm-hmm. right? It's He's fully forgiven so so that's what we see there with that guy was it the same guy we don't we don't know 
Um, it could have been, and many many people are far more dogmatic than I am on it. Um, it, it very well could have been, and that's what that's what church discipline is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that, and so there's a very good chance it could have been that guy. Um, but I just it doesn't give him by name, so it's hard to say. Yeah, it was him. It was somebody who was disciplined, right? Yeah. And um, so uh, I'm trying to think. That's second. I think it's Second Corinthians. Oh, yeah, I was trying to find it earlier, and I couldn't I, I really can, uh, find let me see it. If I can pull it up here, it's slipping my mind. I knew, I knew. Um, I want to. And um, so, ahead, yeah. Going. While while you're looking for that, um, uh, a few questions came from that same uh, yeah. sermon. Yep. And uh, I want to kind of, you know, just yeah, just kind of Second Corinthians two. Sorry. Oh, Second Corinthians two. Yeah, I think there it is. Now, if anyone has caused pain. He has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote that I might that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, that I have forgiven, if if I have forgiven anything, has been for the sake of the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his design. So, again, you see no clear reference to the guy who was sleeping with his father's wife. You remember that guy? Mm-hmm. So, it, it I just... I don't know. I just honestly, I just, I can't be dogmatic because the scripture isn't. I can say it could be. Mm-hmm. I could say it's clearly somebody who was dealing with church discipline. That's for sure. Right. And so they restored him. And that's the key because the guy in First uh, Corinthians 5 clearly was getting church discipline. And clearly, if he came back, he would have been restored. So it very well could be. That's what we want. That's what we hope. That's, that's, that's the ultimate goal of church discipline is restoration. Um, and, uh, but it doesn't always happen that way. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my unhelpful answer. Yeah. Well, a couple of things that I want to kind of go over from, uh, that sermon on the, uh, February 2nd, uh, a couple of things you said, uh, one thing that I, uh, oh, <laughs> one of the things I would say that I highlighted from that Sorry, Morgan. is, uh, <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that I highlighted is you went basically down eight things that church discipline is not. Oh yeah, the and, myths, um, the eight yeah. myths. Actually, actually comes out of. I just I just pulled that out of my sermon from September, that year year and a half whatever mm-hmm. that was year and a half ago. September thirtieth. Yeah, that that was in there, and that was so good. I pulled that out because it's just a, such a clear, helpful articulation. Oftentimes, when you're dealing with difficult topics. And this is this is just in life in general, but especially theology and scripture. Oftentimes, it's helpful to explain what something is not before you work through explaining what it is, mm-hmm. because so many, especially when you're dealing with a divisive topic like church discipline, because so many of us have so many misconstrued or incomplete or worse yet inaccurate ideas about scripture or scriptural truth. We have all this excess baggage, like you were talking about a minute ago, right? Mm -hmm. All this stuff. And we drag it with us as if it's gospel-inspired truth. And it's not. It was just something I was taught that's not biblical. And so I have found it so helpful before you dive into a divisive, difficult topic if you can, and this is one of those times when God's grace was good and I was able to articulate what it's not in in some pithy, good bullet points. I've always found anytime I've done that, which isn't enough, 
I wish I could do it more, has been really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Because then you can zero down once you say, okay, so it's not any of that other stuff that you think it is. Like I think the first bullet point was something like church discipline is not incompatible with love. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest issues that people have with church discipline. They always say it's not loving. It's not loving to do that. It's not loving to do. I mean, I've heard that, no exaggeration, 75 times mm-hmm. over my life. And it's just like, really? Really? Do you not? Hebrew, have you never read Hebrews 12, where it says that God disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines his children because he loves them? So our Heavenly Father disciplines us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the greatest example that he loves us. And Hebrews 12 literally says, if you don't experience the discipline of God, and it uses this, in the, you're a bastard child. You have no father. You're mm-hmm. not his, right? right? You're not loved, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's saying. So so it's helpful to go through and take apart those inaccuracies and say, no, no, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. And just, and just for lack of a better way, blow away all the straw men that most of us carry around with these uh, difficult doctrines and then build the right doctrine up from Scripture, and that's all that was. And yeah. and that was I remembered that from my other sermon. I said I can't improve upon that, so I'm just going to use it again. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> okay. So I got I got to tell this story. All right. Sorry, my old church. No, you're fine. My old church. Uh, one of the elders was caught uh, having an affair on his wife, and uh, you know. <laughs> I didn't know about this, anything that was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the guys that was sitting next to me, you know, I was a musician at that church, and he says, oh, yeah, man, you know, uh, elder such and such had, you know, had an affair, and they're about to talk about it. So they, they asked all the el- all the guests to leave. They said, yeah. if you're if you're only, we only want members of the church in here. So every all the, every, at least some of the guests left, right? And then once they uh, left, uh, in comes uh, the pastor with the 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 woman who was cheated on, and they're walking in, and it was more like pompous circumstance. He's coming in, shaking his head, and he just has this really sad look on his face. And the and the and the, and the, uh, the offended wife is on his arm, and they walk up to the front, and he calls the the uh, you know accused elder in. And he basically, in front of the whole church, just finger wagging in his face, telling him he's wrong and he shouldn't have done this and blah, blah, blah. He's just going and going and going. So that was my experience with church discipline. Now, (laughs) aside from that, on, on the left of that, I have to tell this part of the story. Their daughter, I was supposed to be going out on a date with that night. So I showed up to their house and I'm like on eggshells. I'm like, what is going on? So I said, you know, how is everything? And she says, buddy, all of that was just dramatics. Like they fought a little bit about it, but they're over it now. He just brought it back up again and they're, they're cool. They're not going to get divorced. It was a bad part of their marriage and they're, they're good to go. So I was like, okay. Mm. It felt if you know I was I thought it was really really bad, um, but you know like as far as like their relationship, but it was a thing. It's like yeah, he got caught in this sin, and he, they were handling it. Yeah, but that day, literally that Sunday night, I was supposed to go out on a date with. I did. I went out on a date with her, but that during the service when they asked everybody to leave, yeah. it was just this. Just it was just this weird situation. Yeah. 
where I didn't learn anything. No. I didn't. That I wasn't taught what church discipline was. I, I wasn't taught that, uh, you know, and I don't need to know the ins and outs of what happened, but how long before it happened, you yeah. know, what was, what was the, what was the procedure, yeah. you know, how the, all those things. And, yeah. you know, so when it comes to like me coming to this church and seeing like the process and yeah. the reasons behind it and then the eight points of what it is not. Yeah. And then what you could only get to were the three points of what it was. Yeah. It's like, well, this makes sense. It makes sense that you're not basically trying to throw this person out to the wolves not at all. and just to be devoured. It's like, the, and what you said was, was what I, I put in there. It was uh church discipline is not for the purpose of, it was at the end, uh, uh, church, but church discipline is not for the purpose of where is it? Good grief. I have so many notes. It's not for the purpose. Good. You uh, probably know isolation or excommunication, but yeah, restoration. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And and I was like, you know, that makes more sense yeah. than just kicking somebody out. Absolutely. Or, or what some other uh, cults would say, uh what yeah. do they say? Like a uh, Jehovah Witness would or even uh the Mormons, they yeah. would they would excommunicate you or yeah. it, it's yeah. one word that they have and it's like yeah. Like that doesn't make sense. If you if you really love that person, if you want yeah. them to be there, now if they're completely rejecting it, yeah. then you got to go further. Yeah, excommunication and isolation are part of church discipline. First uh, Corinthians five makes that clear, as well as Matthew eighteen, uh, as well as uh, 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 Titus three, first second uh, Thessalonians three. So, I mean, it's clearly part of it. It's the latter part, but the point isn't isolation and excommunication. Those are means to the end, which is restoration. The mm-hmm. whole thing, even when you get to the point of excommunicating, removing the membership and, and removing that individual from the, the family life of the church and that whole, the whole sphere of the church, the whole point of that is, 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 of course, protect the body, the purity of the gospel, and all those things. But it's also still restorative. You're still trying, as First Corinthians 5, you're casting that person out into the realm of the world under the under the domain of of Satan so that he will experience the 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 wickedness of the world in order that he might come to Christ and that he might repent and and be restored so even that is restorative even though we're we're commanded to not have association in the sense of isolation and he's excommunicated he's no longer part of the body but it's still for the purpose of restoration you're still praying and hoping and and seeking, you know, God's face for that individual because we want all to come to the knowledge of the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Especially those whom we, who we know intimately and who once walked with us. And so, yeah, that's again, it's just, it's just church discipline is so misunderstood and so poorly taught, and even worse, so uh, unbiblically practiced to where most people. And I get it. That's why I'm very gentle, and or at least I try to be gentle. I don't want to say that wrongly. I try to be compassionate in when I'm teaching it because so many people have never seen church discipline done well. And as a pastor, I can tell you it's very hard to do well because your heart is is struggling with it and it's and it's difficult and but yet the Bible has lined out very clearly for us. It doesn't give us all the answers, but it gives us it gives us enough to where we know what we're supposed to do. We know how we're supposed to do it. We just don't do it. We either do it man-centered, emotional, flippant. Uh, I was once um, asked to be a part, like a mediator, between um, two churches, and um, it was it was it was so sad because this church actually did church discipline on this uh, on this individual who actually was in sin 
And, um, but the problem was they did it flippantly, which is so common, or emotionally, where somebody will do something and, and the elders or pastors immediately respond. Like, it's like, well, that person needs to be disciplined, right? Because they disrespected or they, they uh, flagrantly, you know, did some sort of sin that brought shame upon, you know, the body, whether, you know, like, like for instance, you're in a business meeting and you stand up and just, you know, disrespect the elders and, you know, uh, take them to task or curse them out or whatever, some flagrant thing where you'd be like, ooh, that was bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're like, okay, all right, that, that definitely sin, definitely flagrant, mm-hmm. definitely an issue, but not going to kick the person out of out of the church for that yet right mm-hmm. what are you going to do you're going to meet with them and you're going to spend time with them and you're going to you're going to exhort them you know quietly in 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 a private setting and you're going to go after them right and you're going to give them time to repent and uh, yet most churches immediately may it's like nope you're done you're out of here and uh and it's that's not biblical and jesus says in revelation (laughs) chapter two and he's dealing with the church at thyatira who again was tolerating an immoral situation a jezebel jesus calls this this woman in the church at thyatira who was sleeping with all these people and seducing even the teachers in the church with her immorality and jesus says literally i have given her time to repent i have waited and she has refused repentance now listen Severity. I'm going to throw her on a sick bed, and I'm going to kill all of those who have been seduced by her mm-hmm. to show everybody I don't play with sin. Mm-hmm. It's like even Jesus, right? Long suffering. I've given, and so the, in that situation, I was mediating between. I had to go back. I met with the person who was sin, and she clearly was repentant. She clearly was remorseful. She clearly wanted to make it right with the church, and the church clearly did not follow God's principles uh, she should have not been excommunicated though she was she clearly needed stage one and stage two of church discipline but they went right to stage four literally just kicked her out and and it was totally wrong and so i went back to the church and was like no this isn't right and they 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 were not going to forgive her i i mean i had this person i had him write a letter had him write a letter of repentance because the church wouldn't interact with her so i said well write a letter that's crazy yeah so I, I, you need to repent and she did and it was, you know, I mean, I'm not the emotional one involved, so it's easier to evaluate, right? Because she wasn't sitting right. against me. Right. But that's helpful sometimes to get a clear thinking. So she clearly was was in her right mind and was thinking rightly and remorseful and broken, all the godly sorrow, everything. And so she wrote a, a very good, biblically sound, repentant letter. And because she, she and she said, "I want to come back to the church publicly and repent mm-hmm. and ask for forgiveness." And they wouldn't let her. What? At first, they wouldn't forgive her, and so then I had to call the church to task mm-hmm. and say, no, you have to forgive her. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. And, and the poor lady, and, uh, I just, I was thankful for her on many levels. The poor lady was like like under deep, deep guilt, right? Because she knew she was wrong, mm-hmm. right? And the only way you're going to get forgiveness is through repentance. And mm-hmm. so she wants to close the deal. She wants to be reconciled. Mm-hmm. She wants to be made right, and this church wouldn't do it. They were like, no, we're not going to forgive her. That's completely And, and then they were like, you don't know she's lying. I'm like, look, I've been counseling her. I've been with her. I, I spent time with her in counseling. And it's like I'm watching her, and, and she she is she's done everything the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, it's not it's not real. I'm like, well, that happens. I get that. I've, I've seen crocodile tear repentance more than anybody. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Jesus is clear. If your brother comes back to you 70 times mm-hmm. and says... I repent. I need forgiveness. You forgive him. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, 
Yes. Doesn't mean you you if the brothers come back seventy times you throw them in, back in as the elder. No, you don't do that. Yeah, right. It's one thing to forgive; it's another thing to build up trust. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, that's that's real. But you can't hold forgiveness. You can't hold that back. Who are we? We're not we're not God. And so eventually, that that church did offer her forgiveness and accept her letter, but they wouldn't let her come back. And but that did free her of that guilt, mm-hmm. which she needed to be freed from because she was. Her conscience was clearly seared and hurt mm-hmm. and needed to be cleansed. And, and the Lord did do a good work there, and that was a blessing to be a part of that. But I'm telling you, that happens all the time. It's yeah. so scary. Now, you mentioned stages uh, yeah. of, of church discipline. What would I mean, yeah. you— So just just again, Matthew 18 is is kind of the, the general— uh, for lack of a better word, the general process of church discipline. It doesn't always work according to Matthew 18 by way of depending on the situation, but it is the most common general process, pattern, map, if you will, mm-hmm. for church discipline is Matthew 18, and there's four stages, mm-hmm. right? Uh, church discipline or or um, it starts with uh, the individual. So it's always individual first, mm-hmm. so meaning um, you... Uh, you steal from me, right? Mm-hmm. That would be a sin that's individual. You, you've you stolen, you know, my wallet or whatever, right? And right. so you've sinned against me. I, I am clear it's you. I know it's you. I've seen my wallet in your pocket, right? And <laughs> right. so this isn't, this isn't hearsay. This mm-hmm. is obvious you sinned against me. Mm-hmm. So that's between you and I, right? Mm-hmm. And so I go to you, this is Matthew 18, and I, I explain my case, right? And say, hey, brother, you've sinned against me. This isn't right. And Matthew 18 says, if your brother repents, you've won him back. Praise mm-hmm. the Lord. Done. Right. Finish. Finish, right? So it's it's horizontal. It's it's there. And then if if I'm like, go to you, and you're like, no, nah, I didn't steal your wallet, man. What's wrong with you? Yeah, truth talking here, you know? And right. you're just like <laughs> fighting against it. Well, then it, I bring two or three witnesses with me. Okay. But they're not witnesses where people get confused. They're not witnesses to the crime. They're not witnesses to the sin, Right, because again, it started just you and I. Right, they're coming to be witnesses to the confrontation. Mm-hmm. They're coming to see. Okay, are you really biblically, graciously, tenderly, but clearly confronting him, or are you all emotional and like vindictive and yelling and you know sinning yourself? Right. So they're coming to protect me and to essentially validate me, so to speak, as well as protect you. So they're they're very vital in the. In the process, most of the time people think, no, I've got to have two people that have watched it and seen it. No, no, that's not what that is. They're coming to witness the interaction between you and the person that sinned against you so that they can validate, oh, no, this is true. And and to help, let's say, you, the sinner, quote, unquote, unquote I'm sorry, I keep saying that, this feels bad. <laughs> but the sinner, right, that mm-hmm. where it's like, no, no, yeah, Pastor Matt's right. See, it says right there, thou shalt not steal, right? right. Yeah, don't you see that? So they're helping in that. Or vice versa, if I'm like, no, that's my wallet, and they're like, no, Pastor Matt, that's not your wallet because we found your wallet over here, you know. So I, I do have a question about that though, because if it's like one on one, it's it's one thing, it's you against me. But yeah. then if you come back with like more people, well, yes, it's like my story now has been spread to these other two people, yes, and now that's they're what, coming at you. Yes, well, they're not they're not the ones coming at you; they're coming as witnesses, mm-hmm. and then as the, the neutral party, as, as a neutral party, but they're also coming to say hey pastor matt's right if you stole that this is serious mm-hmm. so they're bringing it's bring, it's ratcheted up the tension has ratcheted up purposely with church discipline okay because now it's no longer me and you it's no longer private 
Mm-hmm. It has gone, I call it semi-public. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's semi-public, which means it gets more harder, right? It gets more awkward. Mm-hmm. It, it starts to build like, oh, I don't like this. It's yeah. one thing if it's you and I, mm-hmm. but now I got other people involved who are talking with other people, and mm-hmm. now we know it's getting it's getting strange. Mm-hmm. So then if it's not resolved then, when you're called to repentance and the witnesses are there, then um, then eventually it goes out even further. So you can build the centrifugal fe- spheres, right? The centrifugal mm-hmm. circles. So it starts out just individual, then it goes to the small group that's witnesses. Then stage three is when it goes to the church. Mm-hmm. So it goes publicly to the church, and the and the person isn't isn't removed from the church yet. But what happens is. The church is told of the situation. It's like, look, we got a situation. Buddy stole Pastor Matt's wallet. Um, it's it's clear. It's Matt. It's Pastor Matt's wallet. He's identified it. He's seen it. Buddy holds it up. He even says, "Look, here it is." But it clearly says Pastor Matt right on it. But Buddy's like, "No, it's not." You know, again, the sin has to be clear. It has mm-hmm. to be undeniable. This isn't this isn't sins of the heart. This isn't subjective motives, right? We're that's you, you don't discipline somebody for motives my i mean reading your mind mm-hmm. right no this is discipline for open public flagrant sin which is clear and um and so stage 1 has been done stage 2 here's the witnesses they were there now church you become the witnesses now you go after and confront buddy mm-hmm. because we have done it all biblically we've shown him we've been patient now it's your turn to go after him and call him to repentance mm-hmm. and then as the church does that and the person continues in their open, unrepentant, flagrant sin, then it goes to the final stage, which is you go before the church and you remove their membership. And that's the four stages, and that's the process. And that process, that process can go Fair. really it can go really quickly depending mm-hmm. on the sin and the and the the nature of the sinner. Like if he's really adamant and belligerent and then it's obvious, right? He just he just keeps, you know, getting you know, if he's if stole he, somebody else's wallet. Yes, or yeah. if he if he becomes violent, right? right and right. it just it expedites everything. But if he's like, like I've seen it many times where there's a repentance, but then it's false repentance, mm-hmm. right? And he demonstrates he wasn't really then. So then that takes longer. Mm-hmm. And so the key always is before you would ever and to get to stage four takes quite some time unless it is openly flagrant and and uh, really really uh, undeniable. You know the guys arrested you know he's a pedophile or a murderer or something then mm-hmm. it's just obvious right right and it's different you kind of skipped it yeah the first couple of yes stages. and oftentimes i've seen it where you skip from stage two to stage four mm-hmm. because it becomes so flagrant there's right. no need to go to the congregation again because it's already been you know two everybody's years. seen it and, yeah everybody yeah. knows now it's out in the open or it's been so obvious to to the leadership so it, it again it's not perfect it's not it's not a sequential always one, two, three, four. It's always one and two. You have to always have that before you would move to three and four. But whether it goes from two to three or two to four or two to three to four, you just it depends. And that's where First Corinthians five comes in, because mm-hmm. in First Corinthians five you don't see with that guy, you don't see stage one, stage two, stage three. Mm-hmm. What do you see? He goes, literally, it's been reported that a guy in your church is sleeping with his mother's wife. So you need to go over to his house and confront him. No, Paul says you need to kick him out of the church now. Mm-hmm. He goes right to stage four. Why? Because Paul's in Ephesus, they're in Corinth, and the report has gotten to Paul in Ephesus, which means this thing is flagrant, it's open, it's undeniable, yeah. because he's he's in an ongoing, immoral, unrepentant. The issue, this is important. Well, yeah, because I had a question about that. Go ahead. The issue is never the sin. 
The issue is the characteristic of it being unrepentant. Mm -hmm. Now, most people think, well, it's got to be gross sin. No, it does not have to be gross sin. It often is gross sin, but it could be it could be lying, mm-hmm. right? It could be if a person is a habitual liar, that will land you in church discipline just as quickly as a, as, as a pedophile, right? Mm-hmm. Because the issue is the issue is the unrepentant nature. If it's clear, open, and obvious that you're sinning and you keep rejecting the call to repentance, then that's the issue. Your heart is unrepentant. Mm-hmm. The nature of the sin is not so much the issue as it is the nature of the of the heart being unrepentant. That's the issue because it's always the heart. It's always the heart. Most people think it has to be uh, gross. Well, it normally is gross because that's the way we sin. But it could be it could be uh, something totally different, right? Embezzlement isn't really gross. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's it's a clear problem where you're mm-hmm. embezzling money from either the church or your boss or whatever. I mean, we just say, well, it's not really immorality, so let's just let them go. No, it's a sin, and so you, you, it, what it's what it's not and what it can't be is motives of the heart. We just can't see that, right? And uh, but those come out eventually into external acts of sin. So, but one of the problems that people have with it is often dealing with it in just the categories of sin. Well, this is worthy of church discipline, and that's not. Well, yes, you're not going to, you're not, we don't, we're not the sin police, so you're not disciplining one another for, you know, just the, just the everyday sins that we all commit, where you get frustrated, you get angry, you disrespect somebody and what you say. We all do that, right? So those we expect each other to do, but there still needs to be repentance, right? Where I ask you for forgiveness, and you give it, and we're done. But those are expected, but those other sins where you're, habitually lying, where you're stealing, mm-hmm. where you're greedy, where you're an idolater. All these are in 1 Corinthians 5, that list, right? right? right. Or you're a drunkard, right? Mm-hmm. All these things, you don't expect that of mm-hmm. a Christian, of a true Christian. We True Christians can do that, of mm-hmm. course. They can sin and sin worse than we can even imagine. But to live a lifestyle, a pattern, a habitual pattern of nonstop, this is who you are. You have undeniably proven this is who you are. That is uncharacteristic of a Christian. Mm-hmm. So you never go to stage four until you are ready to say, we question this person's testimony of faith. And we question it not subjectively, but objectively, because they have no repentance after being clearly identified as an ongoing sinner. Mm-hmm. That's that's when it's undeniable then. You have to go. Yeah. So my question was really, because you said that, that Paul had heard about it. He was in Ephesus there yeah. in Corinth. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he had heard that this had happened. Yeah. Um, would it be, would it be proper to, yeah. um, to, you know, in his case, ask for some clarification Well, or have you all gone to this guy and said anything? Yeah. But I think it was, okay. I think I answered my own question if I'm looking at the context mm-hmm. because it was, he was addressing the fact that they were allowing this yes. in their church. They were boasting about it. Yeah. They were boasting about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it wasn't something that they're like, Oh, we didn't know that guy was there. Yeah. And, and he probably, probably heard it from Titus or Timothy who mm-hmm. were going back and forth and taking the letters and, all of that, and so that's probably how he heard it. So at first, he had firsthand knowledge. Somebody saw it. Somebody knew it. Right. wasn't wasn't like it was like a the carrier pigeon just dropped a you know something in Ephesus. Like a for, rumor. It wasn't yes. like a rumor. Yeah. This was it was well. That was it, it clearly was a rumor among the town. Right. That's obvious. 
but it was it, it, he heard about it more specifically than that. Rumor meaning it wasn't that yeah. it was just somebody yeah, I, I started think, it. Yeah, I, I think I think I, think is I this, saw is that. Is this really yeah. going on? They came out of the same building yeah. together, and oh, they yeah. must be sleeping with yeah. each other. No, no, this was something that was yeah. ongoing. No, the church was boasting about it. Right, and they were was, arrogant. Yeah, you were talking about the arrogance. Yeah, and then the they warning. literally knew it was going, and they were pointing to it, going, "Look how spiritual we are." Because we, we are don't even him. condemn those because yeah. right. we're that loving. Mm-hmm. So that's why he could speak so dogmatically so swiftly yeah. about it because i was imagine if you had heard something about me for oh, example no you, no you have you to would, you would have you would t- call me text me come by yes. the house and say hey buddy this is what i heard is this true church you know? church discipline or any kind of confrontation for that matter which is always the seedbed for church discipline is always needs to be clear undeniable uh um outward ongoing sin right mm-hmm. not hearsay not suggestions not no you we and, and i live by this you give everybody the benefit of the doubt until they take it away mm-hmm. and everybody that that i've ever been a part of of church discipline and that has been how i've lived we just mm-hmm. you give this person that's let's just keep waiting let's just keep waiting let's just keep waiting let's just keep waiting let's keep praying and then eventually you're like yeah we can't wait anymore because it's it's clear right it's just clear I had uh, uh, I had dinner with uh, James, and me and Beverly had dinner with James and his wife. And uh, I looked over. We were talking about something completely not about this. And James just looked over, and he said, mm-hmm, time and truth. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, Pastor Matt. Yeah. <laughs> time and truth. Yeah, thanks, Pastor John. He taught me that. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's so true. Mm-hmm. you got to give enough time for the truth to come out. And that's, that's where a lot of churches mess up, like mm-hmm. that church I was saying earlier. They needed more time with that uh, that precious lady, and they would have been fine. But, um, but yeah, you're always better to go slow un- unless it's undeniable. Then mm-hmm. you go fast, right? Yeah. Because you because once the truth is out there, then it's sin for the church not to respond. Right, right. And so, but it's sin to respond too early, meaning you're being harmful, you're being hurtful, you're being you're being uh, rash and uh, uh, un unloving in that. And we can easily, as church leaders, we fall into that. So it's difficult. That's why it needs to be bathed in prayer. It needs to be driven. This is huge. Driven by humility. The the as Paul said in First Corinthians five, there needs to be brokenness, mourning over the sin. It, it, listen, I don't want. I, I would never. I, I I do not like ever, and want ever to do church discipline. But one thing's for sure. I don't. I don't know because I haven't had to. I haven't had to do this without this yet but i don't think i would ever discipline somebody if i haven't wept over them mm-hmm. right if i haven't wept then why would i ever take it to that level it means i'm not mourning over this my heart's not right right and that's paul's point in in first corinthians 5 you need to weep over this church well we need to be weeping over this when we find people caught in sin like galatians 5 or galatians 6 1 says so yeah it's it's no joke and it's not something i even like to really talk about in that sense but it is biblical, and it is important, and it is vital, vital to the characteristics of a healthy church. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to stop right here, but we will definitely be back with you next week uh, with another episode of the Truth Talks podcast, the third part in this discussion. And now, here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Jeffrey Clausen. I've been a member here of Belcroft for about a year, and this is the gospel. The gospel starts out with God. God is holy righteous and just and we are not man is sinful we are sinful to the core we evil and wicked and we break his laws every day 
And therefore, since men are lawbreakers, we're lawbreakers, and God is just, he must give justice to all lawbreakers. And he will do that. He will send all lawbreakers to hell. But the good news is that God is also loving too. And we know that because he became a human being. He entered into the universe that he created and dwelt among us. He lived the perfect life. He, he obeyed. He never lied. He never lusted. He never stole. And then he willingly went on that cross, Jesus, and God the Father poured his wrath on Christ. We deserve the wrath of God. But Jesus took it on himself on that cross. He bore our sins on that cross. As it says in Isaiah 53, it was pleased the Father to crush his son so that he, Jesus, endured the wrath of God that we deserve and which now allows us to be righteous through his son. He took the penalty, and but then Christ imputes his righteousness to us and all our sin goes on him so that when we stand before God on Judgment Day, we're going to be seen as righteous. That is the good news. That is the amazing good news, that we can be seen as pure, righteous, before a holy and righteous God, all because of what Christ did on the cross for our sin. So that's what we rejoice in. That is the gospel. And that's the thing we will continue to proclaim for the rest of our lives. Thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and send in your questions to thetruthtalkspodcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.